Episode 2, Chapter 1, Witches on the Mountain, written by Ender Mangan. Chapter 4 The ruins of the castle often hold the greatest of spirits, the young boy thought as he took a swig of an ice-cold can of lager. He looked over towards his friends. He smiled for he knew that one day nights like this would no longer be a thing. He was different than his friends. Even they recognised it earlier on. Raised by his mother, he never felt like that he knew what family was. His childhood collected only memories of violence and torment. He took a small puff from the cigarette between his yellow-stained fingers. He yelled to the others that he needed to pee. Ignored by the youth of innocence, he wandered into the forest. The Irish moon, his only light. It was a cold night, but there was a freshness. The smoke from the castle ruins could be heard crackling in the distance demands echoes of the radio that bounced off the walls of this medieval monument, a shrine to a time long gone. The young boy, now some distance from its view, wandered for a safe place, free of his fellow pranksters. Yet it was bitter cold. The more he walked, he felt a strange warmth with an excitement of fear. He had no intuition as to why. He approached a part of the woods that seemed unfamiliar to a child that knew its anatomy better than most adults could ever discover. Yet this was strange. An old lady startled his eyes. She pulled his hand almost to console his fear, yet only aggravating it. Yet it would not matter, for no voice could be heard, for the music was too loud from the castle walls. Who are you? he panicked. She smiled, her softness startled him. He was not expecting this. She told him he was a man the gifted of this world that he would be needed for the end of days. She told him that he was one of the many that would be called upon at the end of days. The boy laughed nervously. Your ignorance, she replied, will make your journey difficult. He looked into her soul and foolishly she replied, Be gone, you old fool. Her eyes saddened, her voice quickly changed to the dark. She let it be known that his ignorance would cost him his peace. The boy turned to run. She screeched and ran towards him. His eyes closed in fear of impact. Hours later, shouts for his name could be heard throughout the forest. The morning smokeless ash from the castle stirred his sleeping senses and became alert to their cries. He thought to himself that he must have just wandered too far and passed out, fell asleep, and dreamed such a frightful event. He never spoke of that night. His life would eventually spiral out of control. Addiction, homelessness, divorce. He would experience the cruelest of heartaches many times. He would feel that he had met the darkest of witches, his ignorance became his downfall. Such events, such curses, were not uncommon in Ireland. He knew this. He understood this. He had also ignored one of the most powerful witches. Witches on the Mountain, Episode 1, Chapter 6. The waves were crashing against the beachfront, a young woman curiously digging in the sands below her feet. She seemed very intriguing. She carried a bucket with her. In it had some beautiful stones she had collected on her morning walk along the strand. Satisfied with treasure hunts, the young woman walked towards the row of stores that draped the beachfront. Her excitement was infectious as she pulled from her pocket her cell. She was heading towards Venice Beach and knew her Feet alone would not get her there quick enough. She activated a scooter that sat in a row. 
hooked a small speaker to its handle, and as the music flowed out into the beautiful California morning, she shrieked and howled. Her basket full of beautiful shells and stones bounced on the vibrations of the handlebars she held. The cause of her excitement was infectious. A troubled child for many years, since the age of 10, she had lived around the beaches of Santa Monica Pier. Her home was underneath the beauty of such a place. There was horrific acts of violence as she slept around her each night, her innocence the only thing that kept her safe from its atrocities. She knew the streets like nobody else. Garbage bins she used as food stations. Her childhood was a case of misdiagnosis after misdiagnosis. From psychiatric hospitals, countless medications, counsellors, the child was trapped in fear and in judgment. Left with very little choice, she ran away from the last family that tried to tame her. Wild and youthful soul. Remember, not every missing child gets reported. She always knew this. She knew that nobody would really care. She begged on the streets and slept on the graces of good humans' couches, yet the bad ones always found her in her lowest and most vulnerable times. As she came closer towards Venice Beach, she clumsily lost coordination. A young boy stood unaware in her path. She hit the brakes. She stopped quickly only to find herself on the flat of her back. She shrieked and howled and laughed. Now, a busy promenade stopped, turned its focus towards her demise. A man ran quickly to her aid. Most passerbys she knew would never stop to show concern. She knew humans to be cold. The tall, slender man dressed in a black shirt and shorts asked cautiously if she was okay. She replied that she was fine, thank you. Yet she felt a strange ease of uncomfortableness about this strange figure. Have I seen you before, she asked. His reply was nervous. No, I don't believe we have. She shook her head. No, I saw you once by the pier in Santa Monica, staring at me. Listen, child, he replied. She seemed taken aback. I'm not a child, she replied back. He looked at her as he handed her some tissues for her torn knee. He said to her, soon a great event will come to pass, he said. She laughed, thinking the fall had damaged her sense of reality. He said, you, my dear, will be with the witches on the final day upon the mountain. Your gifts, child, will be used for both darkness and light. Go and seek answers from your altar, he said. My altar. It was strange he knew about her altar. It was her first possession when a young Irish couple gave her a room in their apartment. The three met while slinging coffees at Starbucks. The two Irish people here on J1 visas. They became friends quick and they shared a beautiful summer together. But like everybody else, she always knew that they would leave, that summer would end and that they'd return home to Ireland. But before this couple left, they gave her a beautiful gift. They gave her keys and a lease that a landlord, an Indian friend, never questioned and she finally had a, home, a place to call home. So she queried of the stranger, have you taken your meds today, dear sir? He looked at her, he scoffed. He said, child, you are so blind, so gifted, but yet so blind. But one day you will be calling for me at the end of days. You will understand your place. She quickly replied back to him. Okay, waiter. Whatever. Explicitly, she replied, get fact, a term she'd picked up from her Irish comrades. She picked her scooter up and basket that rested against the wall. 
She hopped on and fled away. She looked back at the stranger, yet he had vanished. She felt a cold shiver run down her spine. She thought to herself, what the hell was that? She looked at a clock that rested by a fence near the basketball court. The time had read 8.45 a.m. She was nervous. This would be a first tattoo, but she had wanted it since she saw its image in a picture one time while she scraped for food throughout a garbage bin. It was an image of a mountain in Colorado, a place she knew nothing about, had never been, knew nobody from there. Yet the day she saw that image, she swore one day she would climb its highest peak. She arrived at the street, at the studio, she was greeted by a young woman covered in beautiful ink. With the final drawing complete, the artist asked the young woman her thoughts. She asked for it to be placed on her wrist, a reminder of how far and how much more she had to climb in this world. The artist returned to the back room. The young woman sat down, her knees scraped, but she knew pain and this was very minor. Lost in thought about her encounter, she played with the septum piercing that hung from her nose. In times of stress, this brought her great comfort. Caught unaware from the back room, the artist yelled, would you like anything added? Yet without a single thought, the young woman replied, can you put five witches holding hands on the cliff? If it had not been for the artist's excitement, the young woman would never have agreed to it. But it seemed strange, but almost right. The young woman watched as the artist placed the stencil on her wrist. Her eyes became bigger, enticed by its beautiful creation. She agreed to its price. As she looked into the mirror, curiously confused as to why she would put the witches on its highest peak. She noticed from her enormous brown eyes that her septum had a strange glow shine from its silver towards the mirror in which she stood before. She felt it strange that her piercing was giving off such energy. Yet everything in her world was weird and strange. She hugged the artist, shrieked with great excitement, paying no attention to its healing instructions. She cashed out and grabbed her basket of stones and shells and headed back towards Santa Monica. Her scooter like a great chariot, she swerved in and out of pedestrians' pathways, her wrists stinging from its new creation. She would not know this, but this would be her last year in this beautiful place. Eventually her path would find her in Colorado. Her journey, just like the others, had begun. <laughs>